Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Well, uh, this is our last week of our Israel series. Thank you so much for all the feedback. Many of you have said, wow, it kind of put it in perspective. It kind of brought it uh, to a different place. Um, I've gotten to live it again for the last three weeks because I've been researching and uh, reading, getting in the Bible and saying, wow, I was there. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And so when Buddy asked me uh, when I came back to do a, a three-week series, I thought, how do you do that? You know, how do you, it was so overwhelming. I mean, it was beyond, it was just astounding to me. And so as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, I kind of looked back and I said, what, what were three things that just really impressed upon my heart and I left with and that, that I can share? Well, the first week was we talked about the Mount of Beatitudes and Jesus simply brought his disciples together and he said, I'm going to give you these directives in how to live life. This is really my message and this is how we'll reach the world for generations and then they said, well, teach us how to pray. And he taught them how to pray. And uh, it, was, it was what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then last week, we followed Jesus into Jerusalem. And he went by the pool of Bethesda. And he found a man that was there for 38 years. And um, he saw the man and, and he said, do you really want to get well? And what he meant by that was, are you really willing to change from being a victim? Because sometimes being a victim is very comfortable. We can blame everybody else. But Jesus said, do you really want to get well? And the man put his faith completely in Jesus. He got up and not only walked away, but he carried his mat as well. So I I realized as I looked at this that every time I would come back to the red letters, I'd come back to the the words of Jesus, that it's really all about Jesus. And as I stepped into the pages of the Bible... It was like the story came alive, and instead of having to read the Bible, I was living the Bible. And um, so, so today we're going to talk about um, I, something that I was really impressed at one point uh, that I'll share with you, that Jesus is going to return. He's going to come back. That's part of this story. It's the rest of the story. Um, Well, how many people have downloaded the Bible on your device? Okay, and how many apps do you have each? Uh, A couple of apps. If you haven't, you can do that, find an app. Uh, How many people brought your Bible today? Oh, oh, that's awesome. Who else? It's kind of rare anymore, isn't it? Um, Last service, there was probably about five or six people and Saturday night service there was one but did you know that this is the most wide the Guinness Book of World Records says this is the most widely distributed and um, best-selling book of all times anybody have any idea how many copies of the Bible have been published you can take a guess you can this is a talking and we're gonna talk five million five five billion Five billion. How many have multiple of these sitting around at home? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, here's a ticker that says, Buddy showed me this, and he had downloaded version. I have version and Gateway, but version was my first download, and it has versions 
multiple versions of the Bible. And there's a ticker there. And by this time, it's even probably four or five million more than this because each day it adds about two million. Uh, this is just a little video that we did. But 148,206,539 just of the download of version. And then Gateway is well over a million uh, downloads. So why isn't our world getting better? Well, we're going to look at that. And uh, what I'd like you to do is, first of all, turn off your ringer. I don't want you to be embarrassed, okay? Turn off your ringer. And then take it, if you have your app. If you don't, you can go ahead and download your, lap, your app. And uh, to just, it's uh, version, Y-O-U version, or uh, Gateway. And both of them are great apps. But go to Luke 4.18 and hold on to that because we're going to go to that in just a little bit. But here's the thing with the Bible. It's not just a New York Times bestseller book. This book is the actual voice of God to us. You know, a lot of people say, I just don't hear God's voice. Well, we have it. The whole Bible is the voice of God to us. And if you go to it, you can hear his voice. This book has been translated into 349 languages, and over 2,000 have at least one book in their own language. I mean, it is, it is um, saturated throughout the world. But the difference, there's a difference with this book. Not only is it the voice of God, but it says all Scripture is God-breathed. That means that he was the one that gave it And uh, we are the ones that take it and use it for our benefit and to change us and to make us into um, to becoming more like him. Well, the Bible is unique from other uh, other books, because here's the thing that we got to remember. If somebody asks you every prophecy that has been made has been 100 percent accurate, 100 percent. Now, prophecy, stick with me, prophecy is simply history written in advance. In other words, something was written and then thousands of years later, it happened. Well, in the Bible, there's somewhere around 2,500 prophecies. And so far, about 2,000 of those that were recorded a long, long time ago have accurately come to True to the letter every single time. Is that astounding? Which means that there's somewhere around 500 more that are yet to come. Now, what are the odds of that? The odds of that happening, somebody scientifically actually figured this up. And the odds of that happening are less than 1 in 10 to the 2,000th power. That means 10 with 2,000 zeros behind it now only god can do that only god now in bible times nobody really wanted to be a prophet because in deuteronomy it laid out what the israel law was the israel law was that if you are to be considered a prophet of god you have to be accurate 100 percent of the time and if you're not only one time you're not accurate ooh, you know what happened Bam, you're out of here. You're dead. Only one time you're not accurate. That meant that you were a false prophet. 
And today in our world, think about how many people go to so many different things to find out what their future is, whether it's psychics or horoscope or everybody has something that they want to look into the future. At very best, they're only accurate 60% of the time. So why is it that we're not turning to the place that had thousands of prophecies told accurately and we can we can see that happen today and we're turning to all different kinds of places and spirits to tell us the future the reliability factor is astounding now i don't know if you know scientific research but reliability is when you do the same test over and over with repeated trials and you come up with the same result that's happened in the bible the reliability of this voice of God this word of God is astounding thousands of prophecies have come true and we have somewhere around 500 yet to happen which means that when we read about these prophecies of what will happen in the future you can take it to the bank based on what we've seen happen in the past now that means if 2,000 have happened and 500 are yet that means we're getting closer to the rest of the story doesn't it See, God can't break his promises. There are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus alone. And they're all written a thousand years before any of it happened. Where he'd be born, when he'd be born, where he'd be born, how he'd be born, even how he died. A thousand years before, and I find this really interesting. A thousand years before David described Jesus' death on a cross when there wasn't even a word for crucifixion. At that time, they didn't kill people by crucifixion, didn't even have a word for it, wasn't a form of punishment. Yet David accurately described, described it long before the Romans ever used it to crucify people. Now, given those odds that I've just told you about, it takes a whole lot more faith to believe this is all coincidence. It takes a whole lot more faith to believe this isn't true than it does to say that this is God's plan. He's shown us, you know, so many people say, well, there's so many inconsistencies. You haven't studied it. Because if you look at the prophecies and you look at what has already come about, there's no denying that we have to believe that if this came about, then what he says with the rest of the story is true. It's no coincidence. The Bible says no prophecy has ever originated from humans. If it does, they're a false prophet. But no prophecy ever originated from humans. Instead, it was given by the Holy Spirit as humans spoke under God's direction. So some people will say, oh, this was just a bunch of people. No, God had to give approval through the prophets that he called. And every time that they would prophesy, what they would say would come true 100% of the time. So this takes us back to Jesus and the story and his story and how every single one of us are part of of this story we're going to go back and pick up at the pool of bethesda and jesus was in jerusalem and and he left jerusalem and he went back out to galilee oh if you can ever go to the sea of galilee it is stunning uh and he went out and he traveled around picked up some disciples but he went to his hometown what was his hometown 
Shout it out. Nazareth. Oh, you guys are great shouters. <laughs> His hometown was Nazareth. And uh, this town, you know, we tend to think the story of Jesus is, oh, little baby born, and it was the stars. and it was the... No, this town was no, it was a rowdy town. And most people said nothing good comes out of, out of Nazareth, nothing. And they said that about Jesus. But Jesus went to the synagogue as he was in the practice of doing all of his life because he was Jewish. And Jewish men went to the synagogue. And when he went to the synagogue, he was handed this scroll. And it was the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah had prophesied this a thousand years before. And Jesus was handed this scroll. And, uh, okay, now take your device and look at your, or your Bibles, you have your Bibles, and look at uh, Luke 4, 18. And we're going to listen, just picture as Jesus stood there, opened the scrolls, and read in the synagogue. Listen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he read this from the scroll of Isaiah that had been written and spoken a thousand years before, and he rolled up the scroll... That means you can put your phone away. <laughs> but I know you can do Facebook and all that while you listen to. It's all right. Because <laughs> I do it while I watch TV, so why couldn't you do it here? Right? I just thought of that this morning. I thought if I sit there and do my iPad and do everything and watch a TV show, why can't you do that in church, right? Okay, so go ahead. You have permission. <laughs> Jesus rolled up that scroll, and here's what he said. He said to the people there, he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And at first, they were like, whoa. And they were really impressed. And then the tide started to turn. And they said, wait a minute. Aren't you that boy that we saw grow up here and that young man? Aren't you the carpenter and Mary's son? Who do you think you are saying that you are the fulfillment of this text, of this scripture, of the prophet Isaiah? Who do you say you are? And Jesus was blown away at their lack of faith. They had studied this text, this scripture all of their lives. And the truth was right in front of them. And they missed it. And you know what that says to me? We can go to church all of our lives. We can have 25 Bibles laying in our house. And we could miss the truth. Because the people in that synagogue did. There was the truth right in front of him. And they were ticked off. They were offended. They were furious that he would say this. And Jesus was blown away at their lack of faith. And he just walked through them. And then the scripture says this. They got up. They drove them out. Now I want to do a little insert here. I was at Watermark's camp. And uh, I was honored to be able to be in a small group with some young people. And they were doing this very scripture. And I said, that blows me away. Because this is what I'm speaking on this weekend. And they said, they read, they got up, they drove him out. And one of, the, one of the kids said, 
I didn't know they had cars in that day. <laughs> and he was just as serious as he could be. <laughs> so we get back to the, they they got up, they drove Jesus out of town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. And there I found myself standing on that very brow, overlooking Nazareth, a bustling city that's still, still as active as ever. And I thought, Jesus was here, booted out of town. One of the first times that he was rejected. And the people got madder and madder at him in those three years that he walked the earth. Because they said, how dare you say that you're the Son of God, the Messiah. And as I stood on that mountain, it was a 360-degree view. It's called the Mount of Precipice. And I was blown away. There was Nazareth out in the distance in front of me. And far in the distance was Mount Tabor. And this is where Deborah, read about her strong woman in the Bible, Deborah and Barak defeated Canaanites for the promised land for the Israelites. Remember when they were taking the land? That's where they defeated the Canaanites. And then I looked over in the distance and I saw Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah is where Gideon, read about him. He, he got an Israelite army, a very, very small Israelite army, and they defeated the Midianites for the promised land. And then I looked over in the distance, and it was Mount Carmel. And that's where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to who the one true God was. And I looked over my right shoulder, and our guide was saying, if you look in the distance, you can see the Church of the Annunciation, where the angel announced to Mary that she would conceive God's son. And then I turned around behind me and there was a sprawling Muslim city. And then I turned in this direction and looked over my left shoulder. And there was the Jezreel Valley, sprawling and lush, otherwise known as Armageddon. The Valley of Armageddon. And on that spot, on that spot that I've heard that word all of my life was the very first recorded battle in history. Check it out. Megiddo, the 15th century B.C. The very first battle recorded in that area because it's a crossroads of the world. Even the road still crosses where in ancient 15 B.C. they had roads crossing at the very center, at the very navel of the world. This is where the first battle happened and it's where the last battle of mankind, good and evil, will happen. And what, tells, what book in the Bible tells us about that? Revelations. It's the book that tells us what will happen in the future. But the book of Daniel also tells us about that as well. You see, I stood there literally on the timeline of God's story. And I was blown away. Prophecies that have already come true, 100% accurate, 100% of the time. And a prophecy of the future that I can bank on if those 2,000 have come true. So we followed Jesus on his last journey into Jerusalem. 
And it was very somber. And we stood on the Mount of Olives. And, and the Mount of Olives is overlooking Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus came. He loved the city and it had been given to, to God's people. And, and he, he was on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city and he wept because he knew what was going to happen in the future. He knew of the looming turmoil and how Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And sure enough, 30 years after his crucifixion, and his resurrection, the Romans came in and they crushed Jerusalem and they destroyed that second temple that Solomon had built with the only thing that's left, the Wailing Wall. And this was the people, the people then lost their identity because this temple was at the very core of who they were and what had been given to them to sacrifice and to worship their God. And I looked over into that city and the temple is still gone today. And all you can see is one of the walls of Solomon's temple, which now is the wailing wall where people go and and pray. And we went to the upper room. Remember the upper room where Jesus had the last supper and he brought his disciples with him and he knew, he knew there was somebody sitting there with him that was going to betray him. He knew what was coming ahead and he said, he said, this is my body broken for you and this is my blood that I'll shed for you and they didn't quite understand what he was saying and we went to the garden of Gethsemane and it was just a beautiful place the crowds are not allowed there anymore because they were so hard on the space there but you could look in and there was another place where I couldn't help but fall on my face and just pray because that's where Jesus sweat drops of blood and he said God if there's any other way that we can do this could you just choose another way but that's where he surrendered and said but it's not my way it's your way And then we looked over and saw the eastern gate. And the eastern gate is where Jesus rode through on that colt, you remember? And he rode through and the people waved the palms and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they said, you are wonderful. And it was just a couple of days later that he was crucified on a cross. And that gate today, as you can see, is blocked. And prophecy says that it's waiting on Jesus to come back. It's the only gate that enters into the city that's been blocked, the eastern gate. Prophecy says that he'll come back and he'll split that gate. And then we walk through the the narrow streets, through the Muslim quarter and through the Christian and the Jewish and the Arminian quarter. And and I saw those streets and I I just imagined how Jesus was beaten. And, And they said to us that they walked him through those streets so that he'd be humiliated because the shops are really close on each side. And he walked through there and people laughed at him and said, yeah, right, king of the Jews. And then we knelt where the cross is at the foot of the cross for just a split second because there's only room for one at the foot of the cross and we were there where he died just as Isaiah foretold a thousand years before when he said he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace 
was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And it came true through Jesus, what Isaiah had prophesied thousands of years before. A hundred percent accurate prophecy. Our guide was showing us, we were on the Mount of Olives, and he was showing us where Jesus ascended into heaven. Remember the story how he was crucified, he resurrected, and then he went back to heaven. He gathered his disciples and gave them opportunity uh, to see him. And I asked our guide, I said, I said, what about his return? As we were standing on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. What about the final chapter of the story? And he said, I'm so glad you asked. I almost forgot that. And I said, but that's, that's the completion of this story. And, and there on the Mount of Olives, overlooking that eastern gate, inside the city wall was the Temple Mount. We were standing where it will happen. History has already been written about what yet, what's yet to come. His return. Not only did Daniel predict it thousands of years ago, but Jesus himself told all about it. And we have a whole book dedicated to it written by John. Revelation. And I looked over where the temple used to be, where it was destroyed just shortly after Jesus was gone. And only part was left, the western wall. But now, but now, the Dome of the Rock. It's a Muslim mosque. And it stands in the place where the temple once was. Now, how do you think that's going to happen? Our guide explained on that spot, it's the holiest of holy on the face of the earth. On that spot, two stories have always collided. And it always will. It's why Jesus said there always will be wars and rumors of wars. There will always be turmoil in in that land because every kingdom on earth wants this spot. And it was interesting to listen to the people talk about how they're already talking about how they can rebuild the third temple. And how the mosque really isn't in in line because if they, they said over and over, and I just heard it, other people talking, and they said the eastern gate lines up with where the third temple will be. And that's slightly to the right of the temple mount as you look at it from the Mount of Olives. But prophecy is very clear. In Daniel and John and Revelation, it foretells of the future and how that third temple will be rebuilt on that spot. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to usher in his kingdom on earth. And he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to enter through the eastern gate in triumph and create a new Jerusalem. See, that's the rest of the story. Then, and only then, will there be peace. And he'll reign for a thousand years. Jesus prophesied it and, you know, he knew that this, everything that was happening could could bring up fear in people. 
because the disciples were that way. And it was like, what do you really mean is going on? So he brought his disciples together. And he even saw us today on August 3rd, 2014 at Salem Fields. People that have been drawn here by the Holy Spirit. He saw us. And he knew that all of this could bring up some fear. And he said, I want to encourage you. I want to comfort you. And this is what he said to them. And this is what he says to us today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Because in my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I'd told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, listen to this. I will come back to be with me, so that you can be with me and that you can also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And anybody that will follow me, I'm preparing a place for you right now. That's really good news. That's really good news. And if that evokes fear in you, maybe there's something that he wants you to see. Because this is good news. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, when he said there will be wars and rumors of wars, he said, but don't be alarmed. Rest in me. This is going to happen and it's really good news for you.
encouraged as Jesus said those words to you I hope that you're comforted but if it evokes fear in you maybe there's something to take a look at because Jesus went on to say this he said no one knows about that day or hour not even the angels in heaven not even the Sun Jesus doesn't even know when he's gonna come back because the timing has to be perfect and God will tell his son when to come back only the father and this is what Jesus said to us be on guard be alert so if you hear of anyone giving a specific date it's not biblical because he could come back before we leave here this morning or he could come back in two or three hundred years what he asks us to do is just live a life every day waiting and expecting and living in relationship with him nobody knows when he'll return all we know is that he will because he can't break his promise he's made a promise to us and but he's given us clues and the more that you get into this story the more that you live this story the more the deeper into your relationship that you get he reveals those clues to you and he gives us directives to live by see God can't break his promise and he promised that he would come back and he would take anyone and everyone who follows him because he's preparing a place for us right now and here's what we need to do, to know just watch just wait but be ready be ready well how can we be ready pursue the truth shed everything else out of the way pursue the truth Jesus is the truth and accept him as the way the truth and the life 
Believe in his word. You know, when he read that out of the scroll in Nazareth, the people had opportunity to reject what he was saying, and they did. And Jesus said, I'm blown away at how little faith you have. This is not about just going to the church or having a bunch of Bibles or even having it downloaded on our phone. It's about truly allowing him to transform us, living in his spirit and walking with him on a daily basis. And maybe some of you have never received Jesus as your personal savior. You've never accepted him. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and to uh, enter into a relationship with him. Maybe you've never confessed, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Maybe today is the day that you need to allow his blood that was shed for every single one of us to be your eastern gate into a new life. Here's just a really old song, but it's pretty powerful in what the words say. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. stand together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your spirit that's here right now. God, I just personally want to thank you for all the promises that have come true. And Lord, while it can make us a little uneasy to think about the promises yet to come, Lord, you gave us your word. You said that we don't have to be alarmed. We can be comforted by your words that you're preparing a place for us right now that you love us so much that you want us to be with you so maybe this morning you're that person that has never passed through that gate allowed his blood that was shed for our salvation to cover the sins in your heart and today's the day you're ready to ride through that eastern gate and accept him as your personal savior and you can simply do that by saying, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? I believe that you are who you say you are, that you're God's son. I believe that you resurrected, and I believe that you'll come again, just as you said. And you know, miracle happens when you turn your heart toward God in that way and you receive him. You're saved. You're headed to that place he's preparing. 
And I don't know, probably a lot of us here today are like I was. I was saved. You don't have to keep getting saved over and over again. It's good first time. But what happened to me was after I was saved, I started drifting away. Other things became more important. God wasn't that important in my life. I was in college. And I drifted away just like a leaf on a river, kind of lazily drifting down a lazy river. And I got to a place where I wasn't thinking about him hardly at all. But you are because you're here today. And so maybe today is the day where you just need to reconnect. And in your heart, you might need to say, Jesus, I just, I just want to get back in that relationship. And I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to guide me and direct me. I believe in your promises. I believe your promises are true. And I want to receive this promise like it's my very own. If you never entered into a relationship and today you're deciding, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you, please. Thank you. Just lift your hand. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for the hands that have been raised that have said, I want to enter that gate. I want you to be, I, want, I need you to save me. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. And for those of you that are like me that kind of drifted away and you really know that you need to get that relationship back intact, would you just lift up your hand, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so easy to happen. Thank you. And that's okay because you're here and your hand signifies, yes, Lord, I want to I be in that relationship and listen to you every day, be in a, a place of expectancy waiting on you and if you don't come in my lifetime that's okay because you'll be my best friend my savior father thank you so much for the hands that were raised god we seek you we desire you we're pursuing the truth thank you for the promises thank you for what you've done here today and lord as we close this time out may we humbly approach you lord in a fresh and new way in Jesus' name we pray. Now we're going to worship together in this last song as we close out this series. I don't know if God would kind of impress on you to come up here and pray. You can do that right where you are. But the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is, is here to just uh, be with us in a, in a whole new way. Let's just experience that here this morning. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.